In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, today we are going to be talking about something that probably has given you some anxiety at some point or another in your career, but a patient plateau. What does it look like and what can we do about it? But first, Nicole, Pelvicon 2023. Freaking Pelvicon 2023. It is happening, folks, and it's time to start getting excited. Yes. So the way you can do that is actually getting on the wait list. If you remember Pelvicon 2022, which was awesome, sold out, tickets sold out in the first four minutes. So make sure if you guys are interested, if you think that it might be something you want to do, make sure to get on that list. You can get on it at pelvicon.com slash 2023. That's pelvicon.com slash 2023. And make sure you're on that. That's where you're going to be getting all the information. We are going to be giving that to you as soon as we get all the details finalized. But that's probably going to be in the next couple of weeks here. So make sure you're getting on, get signed up, and get ready for all of that information. So that's Pelvicon news. You're going to be hearing a lot more about it. But we are really, really excited. And you guys are going to flip when you hear about some of the things we're doing, the new things we're adding, some of the new speakers coming I can't wait till we get to share all that stuff with you, but make sure you get on and sign up pelvicon.com slash 2023. Okay. So the waitlist is important. It's also really important to follow at pelvicon underscore official. And that is also where we are going to be giving information and details, but the waitlist is the most important thing that you can do. Okay. So Nicole, talk to me about plateauing. And I know you've thought a lot about this. Like what do we even mean when we talk about plateaus? So what we're really focusing on here is when patient symptoms start to level out and plateau. So this can look like one of two things. Number one, symptoms can initially start to get better and then they completely level out. And the rate of increase doesn't really matter that much. It's just that they've gotten better and your patient is usually pretty excited and stoked and might think that that level of improvement is going to continue. And it usually means to them that their symptoms are going to get resolved super quick And, but what happens with a plateau is that that starts to level out and not seem as exciting and fun. And the light at the end of the tunnel seems further away. Okay. So that's one. What about the other type? So number two is that symptoms can be getting better. Like the original symptoms are getting better and they continue to get better. But this is sort of like the incognito plateau where other symptoms start to pop up and patients can and really PTs can interpret this as a plateau. So it's pretty important to determine like is the original symptom actually plateauing or is it that the original symptom is still continuing to get better but the patient is interpreting it as a plateau because new symptoms are popping up. And this can look like something like 
a patient with interstitial cystitis that has pelvic floor dysfunction and some history of orthopedic stuff. They don't actively have reports of hip pain or tailbone pain, but as you release and address some of the overactivity of the pelvic floor that was reproducing their urgency symptoms, now all of a sudden they can come to you and basically say, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening. Now my hip hurts, or now I'm having this throbbing tailbone pain that I've never had before. And it can be really scary to the patient. And if you're, especially if you're a newer physical therapist, it can be really scary to you too, because you can feel like you're actually making them quote unquote worse. But the original symptoms that they came in for are actually still getting better. So this, I think, can also be considered a plateau in the overall improvement of the patient. Okay. So, and I guess this also calls into question because if we're calling this a plateau, it basically indicates that we have an assumption and that we've transferred that assumption to patients that progress should be pretty linear. Right. And this is where, yes, exactly. But I guess let's start with that. Maybe take a step back. Is that a fair assumption? Like, hey, you're coming. Your progress should be relatively linear. You got this much better last week. You're going to get that much better again next week. Right. So, and I think this is a tendency of ours to, and whether or not we actually are, are actively saying something like this, or we're just helping the patient to assume that that's what we're talking about. But yeah, it's not necessarily that progress is is linear. And I think this is really, one of the things that I use in my initial evaluation is I have this symptom threshold line and I draw this x-axis and y-axis where there's the x-axis is time and the y-axis is pelvic floor dysfunction. And there's a horizontal line that is also symptom threshold line, right? And so if your pelvic floor dysfunction rises above the symptom threshold line, that's where you feel symptoms. If it's rising, but below that symptom threshold line, then that is sort of this subclinical pelvic floor dysfunction that hasn't yet created symptoms. And what most people don't understand is that there is a level of pelvic floor dysfunction that's brewing that under the symptom threshold line, then it crosses that line and then goes over and then it takes a while to come back down. But when it's coming back down, it's not necessarily this straight line that goes all the way down under that symptom threshold line. There's an overall trajectory of symptoms going down, but there might be little peaks and valleys where the through line is actually a decrease in symptoms, but there might be little blips of symptom increases in that line. Right. So just like anything else with the body, right? Is like there's no other time where we expect everything to just be going in the right direction all the time, always, right? If you're trying to lose weight, it's not like you're down by one pound every week, every single week for the amount of time you want to lose, right? And so I think that's an interesting just question that we have this idea that these plateaus are terrible and we'll talk about what that causes in clinical practice. But I think the first thing to recognize is that that's not a realistic assumption. Yeah. And I think that that you bring up a great point, Jesse, that we as clinicians probably need to do a better job pre-framing that, right? That should be something that we're talking about at the very first session, that progress isn't going to be linear. And we are, our major goal is to get your symptoms significantly decreased and or eliminated, but that there will be fluctuations or plateaus or pseudo plateaus in your 
care. There might be some symptoms that pop up that weren't there before. I sometimes tell my patients, it's going to be sometimes like you're going back in time. And this is where I get, I'm sure you guys have used this too at some point, but the onion, right? Getting layers of the onion down to the core problem. And sometimes that looks like going back in time where we're addressing the initial pelvic floor dysfunction symptom. And underneath all that are all the compensatory patterns from years of issues, the beliefs about you know their pelvic floor symptoms and all kinds of stuff are sort of wrapped up to that core issue. And we can have patients that the initial symptoms that they came in for are improving, but that all of a sudden they're saying, oh my gosh, I haven't had this pain in years, or I haven't had sciatica since I was in high school and now I have it again, this pain is very reminiscent of that. And it can seem like then overall you're hitting this wall or this plateau. Okay. So what does that cause in actual real world? Like in actual clinical practice, what happens with these plateaus? Well, we've identified a couple of things here that happens. Number one is significant insecurity on our part, right? We have, it can lead to making you feel like you as the PT are doing just a terrible job you can never get anything right. And then more patients that are plateauing, we get more patients that seem are seemingly plateauing. You start to look for, Jesse, you talk about this all the time, this negativity bias. If one person isn't doing great, it's like you're doing terrible with everybody. So it can lead to, yeah, just feeling like you're inadequate as a clinician. It can lead to more burnout because if you never feel like you're doing a good job with anybody, then every single patient is is not improving in this amazing linear fashion, it can grate on you. And in reality, it causes a lot of decreased confidence and insecurity in what we're actually providing for patients. What I would imagine, having been a patient of you know, physical therapy myself, that can also, it's like a negative loop that happens, right? The patient says that they're not getting any better. Why am I not getting any better? And then you're defensive and a little insecure about that. And then the patient starts to kind of pick up on that. And then like, oh, now we're doing something different or now we're doing the same thing as yesterday. And if it's not really truly addressed, it's just kind of that negative spiral. Well, then they're not doing their home program because they think that you caused their back to hurt with it. And now, now where are we at? Yeah, we're in this terrible negative spiral that's going to continue unless we are the ones that break it. We cannot rely on patients to get out of that own spiral, right? And I think that our initial response to a patient's plateau is really important. And we're going to go into a couple of things to ask yourself to help you to navigate this, but it's okay if that's happening. We just have to have a plan for it and we have to have the patient be on board with that plan. The other thing that can happen with this plateauing in clinical practice is patients can start to question your plan of care and question your ability as their provider, kind of like what Jesse was saying. It, especially if they like smell your insecurity. So they can start to doubt that they're ever going to get better, that you can help them to get better, that you don't know what you're doing, that you didn't anticipate this for them. And so, but this especially can be happening if the patient's initial symptoms got better really fast. So again, they're assuming that that's going to continue. And if you don't preframe that for them, then they can think that your plan of care is a bunch of hooey. And then that's just going to continue on. Or you did what you could for them. And now this is it, right? Oh, I got 80% better in my first three visits, but that clearly must be all you can do because I've been here for the next three and I'm still the same. 
Exactly. And that, and you can put yourself in the patient's shoes. With all of our knowledge, we sometimes forget that patients don't know as much as we do at all. And so to them, it can totally seem like, what the hell? Like, I thought I was going to get better. And now I've been here for just as many visits as I did for the first half of how much I've been here. And like, nothing's changed in the past couple of visits. So I guess this is it. Guess this is it. Or I guess this is as good as I'm going to get. Or where you're starting to feel then about having to change course. And I guess that's one of the big decisions to make, right? Is at what point do you start symptom chasing, doing things different, breaking away from your original plan of care? Right. And this is something that this causes, right? So plateauing causes us and potentially a good thing to evaluate and reevaluate whether or not we should continue on this path or we should actually change course. And really what the plateau does is is put the pressure on you to decide whether or not this is something you're going to do. And if you give into the external factors of the plateau situation happening, like the patient pressuring you, like you giving into your insecurity, if you change course too soon, it can actually derail your original plan, your original hypothesis, and it can actually cause further confusion as to what's actually working. This is why I talk in Pelvic PT Essentials about having a prior or an an initial strong hypothesis and sticking with that for a while and having some sort of idea as to what you expect to happen. Because if you can do that, then the question of plateauing becomes really easy because it's really you're asking yourself, did I expect that to happen? And if the answer is yes, then the patient conversation becomes really easy. Actually, this is completely expected. And for these five reasons and things like that. So, but changing too fast can really muddle the waters in terms of what you're expecting from the patient outcomes. And it can really cause you to further think that you are not doing a good job. (laughs) Okay. So how do we break out of this spiral? Nicole, you, you had written here a couple of questions that you want to be asking yourself. All right. First question to ask yourself is, is it true? Are they objectively plateauing? Because just because it feels like they're plateauing doesn't necessarily mean that they are. So that's one of the things that I want you to ask yourself is, is it true? And it's not true just because the patient thinks it is. It's not true just because you think it is. I want you to actually go back and do like a little mini chart review or a little reflection on the progress thus far that your patient has made. And then we can determine whether or not it's actually a plateau. And if it is, then how long has it been happening for? Do some external factors factor in there? Because I I mean, just knowing myself, right? The moment I start feeling halfway decent again, I go out and I do all the things that I'm not supposed to be doing. And then I come back and I yell at my PT and I say, Jake, what the hell? everything hurts. I'm not getting any better. And he's like, well, what'd you do yesterday? And I was like, well, I tried to do a backflip into a pool and hit my head. He's like, yeah, that's probably why your neck hurts. <laughs> right. right. So it's like, is that what you're talking about too? Or like objectively, is there another reason that makes sense? Are there external factors here that are at play that you might not be seeing in your session? Absolutely. And so, and this becomes a little bit difficult to navigate sometimes, right? Because what we don't want to do is turn this back onto the patient and be like, well, this is probably your fault or you did all these things. I mean, in the case of you jumping and backflipping into the pool, that's like kind of obvious, but it's less obvious 
if the patient is actually feeling better, they're not realizing that they're doing more activity. You're kind of not realizing it either. And there's this like subconscious nervous system exhale that happens. And, 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 you know, we live around Disneyland right here. And so a lot of times it's like the patient's doing great. And what are you going to do this week? And I'm going to hang out with my family. It's going to be wonderful. And they come back and they're like, I don't know what happened. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. And so it's like a little bit of a regression or a, you know, new symptom popping up. My hip really hurts now. I don't know what happened. And if you don't stop and step back and really kind of be an investigator in what the patient is saying, then we can miss the fact that potentially they went to Disneyland because they were feeling so great. They went to Disneyland and either a new symptom popped up going back to, you know, the, what does it actually look like to plateau? Or you can actually just not have that improvement like they were seeing. And they actually have a little underlying, you know, inflammation or something else going on from something that they did. So, but point being is that that's actually kind of a interesting conversation to navigate with the patient without making them feel like, well, it's not me. It has to be you. But overall, I want you to ask yourself, is it actually true? And are they really plateauing? Or is there an external factor at play? And to do a little, you know, retrospective analysis on where they've come from, where they are now, and how long they've been in this plateau phase that you think that they're in. And I think that really comes back down to is like, do you think that they're in that? Or does the patient think that they're in that? Because those are two different questions, really. Totally. And this is brings up a great point too, that, that it really does matter whether you are observing this and second guessing yourself and wondering and being like, damn, I really thought that like they should be getting better by now and they're not. That might lead you down a different path than the patient coming back and saying, what the heck? I thought I was going to get better sooner and I'm not. And I'm at this four out of 10 pain that hasn't gotten better since I've been seeing you. And so it's really important to kind of reflect and look back and say, is this something that I'm actually seeing or is this something the patient has brought up? The other thing is, is that sometimes when patients are saying like, oh, I've been at a four out of 10 this whole time, they also aren't necessarily taking into consideration the increase in activity that they're doing. So this is another good conversation starter too, because it can stay at the same symptom level, but be having significantly increased activity tolerance that can seem like a plateau to them, but it's actually still considered an improvement. This is another example of you as a clinician being able to pre-frame some of that stuff at the beginning of the sessions and having an ongoing conversation about what success actually looks like for your patient. Yeah. And I know you and Nicole actually pull out their initial evaluation when they say that. It's like, is that true? Have I been at a four this whole time? It's like, well, interesting. Cause when you came in here, you said you were at a 9.9 and you wanted to kill yourself. And now you're worried about going to Disneyland. Like those are very different problems that we're talking about now. Yeah. 100%. I really pulling out the initial evaluation, especially if this plateau is happening after you've been seeing them for quite some time is actually really powerful because patients forget how bad things were when they came in. And it's just super important to read back to them in their own words, the stuff that they were saying to show them that they're actually having an improvement. And even if 
they're plateauing objectively, you can still see how far they've come and then have the progress isn't linear conversation with them by showing them that they have improved that much, yet we're now at this little plateau, stagnation, whatever you want to call it, and that's okay. So another thing I think you said that was interesting, Nicole, is that you said that there's some patients, and particularly chronic pain patients, where you're actually expecting a plateau of some sorts. Yes, because here's the deal. Like the more that you have chronic pain patients on your schedule, the more that you're going to be able to see this. But the reality is, is that there will be an initial adaptation of tissue when you are actually addressing some of the pelvic floor dysfunction and the pain generators that happen. But what has a little bit of a lag time is the nervous system adaptation to that tissue change. And so we can get initial symptom reduction and then almost a little bit of a rebound effect of the system kind of like not trusting that their muscles are actually in this different state. I almost think of it like a scared cat, right? Where they can initially be all excited. And then the second they hear a noise, they are just back in their little hole, right? They're coming out. They're thinking everything's okay. They're kind of playing around and then boom, something happens. And then they're right back into their hiding spot. So that's kind of what happens with the pelvic floor. We can get an initial relaxation or initial release or initial tension reduction in the pelvic floor muscles. It feels amazing. It's the first time they've had blood flow and you know the, maybe their lymphatic system is starting to turn on. They've gotten hip mobility for the first time in a long time and it feels amazing to them objectively at first. And then all of a sudden their nervous system is like, whoa, hold on a second and creates like a protective mechanism that they have been fostering this whole time. And that can seem like a setback, a plateau, a problem. And we need time for the nervous system to catch up with your actual objective other changes. And so that's how a plateau can look as well. Okay. So those are the great questions to ask. Is it really true And is it you who's seeing this or is it the patient who feels like they're plateauing? And is this something you might expect based on their history, how long they've been dealing with symptoms, their nervous system, all of that? So, Nicole, what do we need to realize about this? What is going to keep a patient from who is plateauing from driving you guys as clinicians crazy? What are the things (laughs) you need to keep in mind? Yeah. So, number one is that plateauing is not bad, right? It can allow for... Like I was just talking about this nervous system adaptation to catch up, it can allow you time to implement other strategies that might also help the patient in the long run. So it doesn't have to be that you increase range of motion every single time, or you decrease that tender point response, or you decrease that that muscle tension point that is reproducing that patient's urinary urgency symptom. It doesn't have to be so objective like that. It can be also something that's a little bit, the plateau allows you time to address other issues as well. This can be things like stress management, sleep, and getting some of the other foundations of pelvic health in order while the symptoms are staying relatively stagnant, right? A lot of times patients come from a time where the symptoms are significantly increasing, they're volatile, 
They are unpredictable. And we can also show the patient that, hey, staying at a three out of 10, while this is not ideal for the long term, is actually better than fluctuating from seven to two to five to four out of 10 pain. And so we can take some of those positives of this plateau and use that time to implement other things that they might be um, needing to do in their plan of care. Okay. So plateauing isn't necessarily bad. And in fact, in some cases it's actually inevitable and it's something that you can use to bring about more lasting change. So that's one thing to take away. What about the people whose initial instinct is, oh, the patient questioned me or said they're plateauing. I need to immediately change course. I got to do something different. Yeah. You've got to realize that if you're changing course just because that can cause a worsening of the patient's trajectory overall, and it can cause way more confusion as to what is actually helping that patient. So please try to assess before you do something and say, "Is if I'm going to change course here, is that just a knee-jerk reaction to a patient questioning me or to my own insecurity? Or do I really think that, man, I've given this initial hypothesis or this intervention really enough time to work. And actually I do need to take a step back and reevaluate and reassess and go in a different direction. So changing course can be during a plateau can be where you need to go, but it can't be the knee jerk reaction just because. Awesome. And then the third thing that I've heard you talk about throughout this whole episode has just been pre-framing this. Like this is not as big of a deal if you're telling the person that this very easily could happen, then it's not an accusatory, oh my gosh, we hit a plateau. Why am I not getting better? What else are you doing? It is, oh, hey, Nicole, it's interesting. I know you were saying that we might hit a plateau in a little bit. I think I think I'm kind of there. Yeah, this is, and this is why I go, kind of go back to the pelvic health history and showing patients from the very beginning that progress isn't linear that symptom resolution can have blips and ups and downs and plateaus. And that overall, we're trying to get as far underneath that symptom threshold line as possible. And their pelvic health history matters here. So again, they might think that their pain started in September of 2022. This is being recorded in October of 22, just a month ago, right? But if you really look back, their symptoms actually, they've had symptoms of this back in college or high school or history of constipation or some other major issue that might add years to the potential pelvic floor dysfunction that you are now addressing where they they may have just crossed the symptom threshold line but their actual pelvic floor dysfunction has been brewing for quite some time. And and when you take that into consideration, the length of time that they've had symptoms might be short, but the length of time that they've had pelvic floor dysfunction might be actually more protracted. And therefore, the more that you might hit a plateau in symptoms because there's compensatory patterns and other things that we need to also be addressing in order for that full symptom resolution. So think of somebody on your schedule right now who might be in a plateau or might be feeling like they are or might be frustrated. And then I love those three takeaways, Nicole. One is that plateauing isn't necessarily bad. You can absolutely, A, expect it in in some cases, 
and B, use it for more lasting change and to find other ways that you can help. That two was that knee jerking is never a good choice. And if you do change course, you want to be deliberate because you don't believe that you're actually on the right track and you've given it time. And number three is just to be pre-framing this, pre-framing this conversation. And the patient will have a much better idea that progress is not linear. It's not going to always be a steady march toward, you know, feeling amazing. That's not how the body works any other time. Why would it be the way it works in physical therapy? So I hope that that gives you guys some tools and tricks as we go through with those patients who are plateauing. Try those out. Try them on for size. See how they work. Let us know because we always want to hear back from you guys. This is make this a two-way conversation. As always, we want to keep this whole conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.